This is James Rolfe, and you're listening to Monsters, Madness, and Magic. All right, folks, welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now, in this episode, Nick and myself chat with filmmaker and YouTuber James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd himself, about the Jersey Devil, bad games, of course, trauma films, Gilbert Gottfried, the birth of the nerd, and more. If you're listening on your podcasting platform of choice and you'd like to help the show grow, please leave us a review. And if you happen to be watching the video on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, all that crap. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. He's gonna take you back to the past To play the shitty games and suck ass He'd rather have a buffalo Take a diarrhea dump in his ear He'd rather eat the rotten asshole Of a roadkill skunk and down it with beer He's the angriest gamer you ever heard He's the angry Nintendo nerd He's the angry Atari Boils and ghouls, this is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> All right, James, take us back in time. You're a youngster. Are you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all the above? All the forts were fun, yeah. I remember that stuff. I wonder if any of that that stuff still exists. Just one piece of rotted wood somewhere back in those woods. That would be cool to find. You grew up in Pennsylvania, right? South Jersey. Oh, okay, gotcha. It has the Pine Barrens, the Jersey Devil. Did you ever see him? I don't think so, no. I didn't even know it was that much of a thing at the time. When did you learn about it, like way after you had moved? No, it was, I, I knew about it then. I just figured, there's, well, there's got to be a Pennsylvania devil and a Delaware devil. Like, why is it only <laughs> limited to New Jersey? I don't understand why pork roll is such a thing or Bon Jovi. Like, it was just very common. It was just, okay, like, that's what it is. <laughs> Did you see that episode of uh, What We Do in the Shadows? I haven't. Yeah, it was this really funny episode about the Jersey devil and the Jersey devil singing Bon Jovi. It's just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. (laughs) I've never watched that show, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah, you know, the first episode, the first time I watched it, I was like, eh, I'm not so sure. But then I I started to love it, and it's like one of my favorites now. The film was great, but I haven't seen the show. Oh, the film. I didn't know there was a film. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it's a Taika Waititi film. It's, It's really excellent if you haven't seen the film. Oh, cool. If you think back to formative films and TV shows that you grew up on, what comes to mind? Oh, all the Universal and Hammer horror films, and then all the miscellaneous ones. Loved all the uh, the Alien Invader movies and science experiments gone awry in the 50s, all that stuff. Now, my favorite movie, actually, is a comedy. It's it's called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. But that was the one that I you know, saw at a really young age, and it's just one of those 
repeat viewing kind of things that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Sort of like Wizard of Oz. That one also, I think, is, that's number three. I think it's Mad Mad World, King Kong, Wizard of Oz, number three. I don't know, when you think of like a movie that you watch the most times, something like Wizard of Oz, like, okay, I watched it with my parents when I was a kid, watched it with my buddies in college, now I watch it with my own kids. That's a lot of viewings of that movie, a lot of generations past. Yeah, exactly. Wizard of Oz is one of those movies I remember throwing a tantrum about in the middle of the store because my dad wouldn't buy me the VHS. And so I just kind of stood there. I got the VHS, but oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in college, did you do the uh, Dark Side of the Moon thing or what? Oh, I did. Yeah. I, I wasn't too impressed with it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it has some moments. But it only opens the doors to, okay, what else could go with Dark Side of the Moon? I used to try it a lot. I used to, well, I used to try lots of other Pink Floyd albums, uh, like Wish You Were Here and uh, Metal. Like Metal goes with 2001 Space Odyssey. If you start it at sometime into the third act, you got to start it. But th- there's some good, <laughs> trippy stuff going on. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, James, you got the Megadeth shirt on. You know what kind of records were spinning around the house when you were growing up? Oh, when I was growing up, well, it wasn't too metal at the time. It was Heart, Genesis, White Snake. I'll give you credit for White Snake. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I won't. (laughs) The 87, that was, I I got a lot of records that year. Singles, though. I never got full albums. I always got the singles. But yeah, that was a weird time. You got records, you got cassettes, and CDs were around, but I never heard of them back then. So that was a, that was a weird time. What were you most into in that early era? Like, were you really into movies? Were you really into music? Was it all just sort of just there, but you weren't really that invested in it? Yeah, it was all there. It was it was video games. It was movies, comic books, stuff like that. It, it, it was a little everything. It wasn't really very focused. I guess it isn't focused now either. It's like everything. It's, it's for me. Yeah. I'm, Everything is good. It's like Renaissance nerd all the time. So so was the NES your very first system? It was actually the Magnavox Odyssey 2, but my memory is a little foggy. I don't think I owned it. I think it was my cousin's. I remember playing it with him. I don't remember who it belonged to. It might have been my uncle or, or my grandfather. My grandfather had all that stuff. Like he had like a VIC-20, but I remember playing Atari 2600 a lot. So that, that was really what I consider the first console that I was into, that I was playing a lot of. When NES came out, it was a total game changer that was just like i beat the first level of mario and thought it was the end of the game and it wasn't <laughs> at all there's like wow there's like this game keeps on going were you an arcade kid you ever do you ever go out to the arcades or was it all at home not as much I, I think later in my teens the arcade became a little more of a thing but it wasn't really as big as it was now or, or i hadn't really noticed it, it was more like the mall would have an arcade in there somewhere or the the roller skate rink would have like some arcades off to the side you know or you might see one at the laundromat so arcades were always a thing but the idea of the arcade and actually going in and being immersed by all the games it wasn't really as common i do remember one time that there was this one mall that had this really big arcade and i remember walking in there one time and it was so overstimulating just with all the noise and all the games <laughs> yeah i actually like had to like leave because it was just too much to take in it was like well this is blowing my mind i, I need to get out of here <laughs> <laughs> You started making home videos really early on, obviously. But what was the uh, what was the spark for that interest? 
I think it was really um, the movie King Kong. I think it was just seeing that, and then I started just taking action figures and trying to make you know a movie out of that. Did some live action stuff here and there, but it was it was garbage. It was mostly just using action figures and puppets and whatever I, I had around. And then sometimes you'd have a friend over and they wanted to act, and you would put them to work or do something. It was all just experimental stuff. I wasn't really, uh, wasn't thinking much about it then. But sometimes that's the best too. Like when you're not really thinking too hard about it, you're just having fun. Did you get the console before you got the camcorder or was it vice versa? Definitely the console. Well, actually, no, you know what? It was simultaneous because my eighth birthday, we rented a video camera because it was something you would just like rent for like birthdays and special events. So it was my um, eighth birthday, NES. And then the camera was like, actually, because it's on video of me like opening it up and everything later on we started as cameras became smaller that they came out with the vhsc the compact vhs for anybody who doesn't know it's the little tape with the extender you put it into like a full-size adapter it played in your vcr once we got that it was actually it was actually a graduation gift for my mom because she went back to school like after i was born after that i gradually started to take it over i would just keep borrowing it all the time until eventually it was my own you got a lot of nice musical equipment behind did you ever play an instrument or play any bands or anything like that oh yeah 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 i've always experimented with music it, it was something because just being a fan of something you, you kind of just want to try it out gain more appreciation for it it's always been a thing but i've only really been doing it publicly in recent years it actually started in covid we started this band rex viper we just play like you know party music we want people to have a good time covers of video game tunes and and movie themes usually like montage kind of themes or like these really uplifting power rock songs during covid we formed this band in quarantine so we we're all filmed separately like this we started doing live shows which was crazy because doing the first live show it was like i would have preferred to just do like a small show you know start out with just like a few people but it was like full convention like this big <laughs> warehouse just full crowd here's your first show go okay and we only played in, in separately quarantine style up to that two of the guys are in canada we flew them out never even met the, the whole band never even came together all in person in the same room until right before that show like a few days before it's like all right is are we gonna do this is this gonna work all right and then we came together and it worked and it was awesome i'm out of the loop man geez are you playing guitar in that are you singing or what yeah i, I play rhythm guitar actually this one right here mm -hmm. i got a few other ones off to the side but uh so basically we're recording an album right now but it's six guys all just doing it on their spare time so it's taken a while i say this every year but i'm like oh I did, it's coming out it's coming out this year so hopefully this is it <laughs> <laughs> so this is something I like to ask everyone, James, just because you never know what someone's upbringing. Uh, or what scared you as a kid? Oh, well, stupid stuff. Like, like monsters, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. Ernest Scared <laughs> yeah, Stupid, yeah. the troll right here, scared me to death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was always something on the other side of the window. or I didn't get the under the bed thing. Like, that was pretty common, the monster under the bed. I never had that. Not that I remember, but I had the closet, you know, it was always mm. something in the closet or something out the window. Mine was always the, the dark. The dark? Oh, being just afraid of the dark. Just yeah. afraid of the dark, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a good show, though, too. Uh, but No, that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the lights go out and then your imagination just starts going nuts. But those were those are the good old days. Like I kind of miss that. I'm like I want to see crazy shit again. But I now I have to imagine it and make films about it and write movies and stuff like that. So James, with your own kids, are you taking them through the the retro journey as well? Are you starting them out early with the NES and all that good stuff? 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, it's kind of like retro is still here in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a, a lot of the the new uh, Mario games, they do all those callbacks. Like in um, uh, we were playing Luigi's Mansion uh, three, and in there, uh, Luigi gets this like device to communicate, and it's a Virtual Boy. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, do you know what that is? That's a Virtual Boy. You want to see a Virtual? Boy? I have a Virtual Boy. So I show him all this stuff. <laughs> Out of all the uh, trinkets you've collected over the years, uh, doing AVG and such what would you say is the most rare thing that you have i don't know i'm not sure but but i think off the top of my head the, the original odyssey because it's it's in the box it's like complete like the way it would be like it not only is it in the box it's in like the cardboard you know the box that that the box comes in it has like the original c factory batteries in there and just to have it complete like that i, I would suppose would have to be kind of rare and it being mm-hmm. you know the first video game console you know that's kind of special in a way like hey you know first console it sucked but you got to start somewhere <laughs> Yeah, that's history. Is there anything that you've wanted to cover a game or, or a piece of equipment you've wanted to cover that you just can't get your hands on at this point? Not off the top of my head. I know there's a lot of those weird um, Game Boy accessories. I already made the video, but there was a lot of them that didn't actually appear in, in the the video physically we just showed images but there's like all these weird game boy accessories like the one where it's the the shoes and the game boy is like in the shoes oh you know what there is actually i, I didn't see this until recently uh, in person but i always heard about it and it's one of those things you, you you can't even like you don't even think is real but a lot of the atari jaguars a lot of the overstock became dental equipment like it scans you for x-rays takes <laughs> pictures of your teeth or whatever uh, yeah, I don't think it's extras. I think it just takes pictures of your teeth. But I actually saw one in person at a, a game convention. It was in Portland, the Portland uh, Retro Gaming Expo. And they had one on display, part of this uh, Nintendo, or no, video game museum. It actually worked, too. So you can go up there and take pictures of your teeth. But, what the fuck? Yeah, although, <laughs> yeah, although everybody's putting it in their mouth, taking pictures. I think I'm going to do that at the convention. <laughs> No, probably not. See, I've never heard of that. I've, I, I've heard of there. I think there's a Game Boy peripheral that was used in dentist offices for kids. It's like it's like a Game Boy with the uh, gas yeah. mask thing yeah, for like laughing gas. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't remember if the Game Boy thing is actually what applies the gas, or if it's just, or it's something to like keep you entertained while they're right. putting you under to do like procedure and operation or something, you know. But yeah, I mean that that's pretty wild too. Be strapped in a dental chair in the next AVGN episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, sticking on AVGN for a second, what was the earliest inspiration for the character? Do you remember, you know, just sitting around with your friends and kicking it around? It just came out naturally. Like, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, references. But it must have been, like, you know, the 80s, like, nerd character. You know, like, Revenge of the Nerds and all that. The white shirt, the pens in the pocket, all that stuff. You know what? The first time I ever saw that, my dad went as a nerd for Halloween one time. I wish a picture existed because he'd probably look just like me. Um, <laughs> so like he, he would have been in his 20s then, early 20s maybe. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, well, what's a nerd? He's like, oh, well, you know, a nerd. Like like here, like, you know, the, the, the white shirt, the, the pens in the pocket, pocket protector most of the time. That might have been where I first heard about it. But the, the character itself was kind of like its own thing um, where it was just 
the idea of like, hey, let's rip apart this game and see if anybody else even remembers that same game. So like the whole joke was like, why would you care? You're a grown adult. You're still playing this game that you're pissed off on. It was funny, but it was also based on real gripes with the game too. So mm-hmm. it's like, stick it as close to real as possible. And those first two episodes just were on VHS tapes and didn't really circulate that much. But then when YouTube came out, I posted them, made another one. And then it started gaining traction. And every, every single time I did another one, it just kept becoming more and more. It just stuck. And you never really know when those kind of things happen. So you just roll with it. So here I am, and it's still fun. And it's like, hey, you know, what do you know? I, I, it's, a, it's a cool thing. Seasons are you into now? I mean, it depends what you'd really want to count as a season. But um, lately, we've just been referring to each season as a year. This has got to be like oh, 17 or something like that. Like count 2006 as when it really started. We're coming up on 20 years, but and if it's if you count 2004, the first two episodes, this year is actually the 20th anniversary. Crazy, right? Like time right. flies fast. Something we like to talk about a lot, James, is being betrayed as a child by the box art, whether it's from a game or from a movie. Do any of those instances come to mind when you just think about it? You see a box art in a video store and you take it home, and it's nothing like what you expected. I once did a um, a whole series over Christmas, it was like an advent calendar of just shitty covers that are, you know, most of them nothing like the game. There is one I remember, uh, Phalanx or Phalanx, and it's just a guy playing a banjo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the game is a, uh, it's a shooter. It's a, like a space shooter game. So, I mean, yeah, there is a ship in the background, but they're going to focus on the guy playing the banjo. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bizarre one. Yeah. I know uh, early on, I think uh, you were the strictly the angry Nintendo nerd, and then it changed to video game nerd. Did you ever get a tap on the shoulder from Nintendo about that? It, it, we, we thought that we could. It could happen because we were, if we're going to sell merch with Nintendo on it, so make up an original character name instead. But a bigger reason was also that it wasn't just Nintendo anymore. I started branching out. So video game nerd made more sense. Not just Nintendo. So over the years, you know, you've covered some good games some shitty games have any of the developers reached out to you about your your thoughts on them at all very rarely but yeah a lot of the developers that i haven't really haven't reviewed their games or anything like a lot of new uh, uh indie developers which is really nice sometimes i get a message that says like you know i got into game designing because of you also the things and like the critiques that you point out actually are kind of constructive when it comes to designing games because you kind of learn like what not to do what kind of things to avoid but uh no that's really cool as far as like the actual games that i've i've reviewed um not often no it's, i think it's, it's very rare but yeah it, it does sometimes happen like off the top of my head i'm trying to think of like when uh doom actually some of the developers from that uh john romero of course he's in the doom episode we did so i think i remember watching one of your episodes and you saying now correct me if i'm wrong that you uh you had the n64 over the playstation yeah as I remember the PlayStation came out first, but I had already been waiting for the Ultra 64, which w- was, you know, the name at the time. And yeah. I wanted it for Killer Instinct, which was the only game that didn't come out on the console. Uh, <laughs> Killer Instinct Gold did, so that was kind of like a fair trade at the time. But what I really wanted was the first one, the one I saw in the arcade, because that's what that's what blew my mind. I, I really wanted that game like at home. And, and it says like right when you when the arcade starts up, the demo it's like you know coming on the ultra 64 this summer or whatever and it kept getting delayed and then eventually uh that game just didn't come out but i don't think it it 
it comes down really to just that one game. It was also the fact that all the games weren't were a little more um I don't know how to say it, like kid friendly or not, not so much, but the PlayStation was a little more badass. Like it had Resident Evil and it was a little bit more like an adult console. And in hindsight I wish I got that. Because that's like where I was at that time. But I saved up my cash for the, the N64. I had a friend who had PlayStation. I, I played it with him sometimes. That's how I missed out on like a lot of games that people say are like really great. Like Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I have played it since, but I haven't played it at the time. The Metal Gear Solid games. Again, I've played them since. And a big one, uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I was like, well, what was that? And, you know, now I've played it. I was a PlayStation guy and... I don't know if you remember this, but they had this thing called the Dex Drive, which could allow you to plug in your memory card and download the saves of other people from the internet and maybe edit them. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going to ask you if you've ever heard of any type equivalent of that for other consoles. No, I don't think so. But th that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. It was because specifically the the PlayStation I had was very terrible with uh, the CDX Game Sharks. So uh, they would always freeze on my favorite games like Final Fantasy Tactics and stuff. So you could bypass the Game Shark by downloading the save game of someone else who had already Game Sharked it on their end and uploaded the save. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, man, that's kind of a wild thing for the 90s. And I can't think of any other console that had that going on. Uh, just made me think of something. Did you ever hear that game that erased the memory cards? I, I was looking into some game glitches recently because I want to find like what's a, like a really glitchy game. So I'm looking at like some examples to see which ones I can get my hands on and, and try out for myself. But there's this one came up. It's called the Holiday Sampler. It was just like I guess a demo disc that PlayStation put out uh, on the PS2. And apparently, if you put that game in, it'll erase your memory cards. It was just like a flaw. And like Sony had to put out a statement and say like, hey, whatever you do, don't put your memory cards in. Take them out if you're going to play this. Because you could be working on like Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas oh, or something. Imagine if your game just got erased because you played some shitty holiday sampler. Oh, my God. That's a that's a childhood killer, man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to try to find one of these discs and then see if it still works. Obviously, with a memory card that I don't, that I don't care about too much. <laughs> yeah. Something unimportant on it. And then see if it works, because that would be a good uh, good episode right there. Do you still have your old school memory cards, OG ones? I didn't have a lot of them back then, because I remember a lot, a lot of the consoles I played, it would save it on the system. Yeah. And then memory cards became a thing. So I don't really have any of that. I do have some old save slots on like my Super Nintendo games and stuff like that. Some of my N64 games have like, you know some save slots on there but like there's this wrestling game that some of my college friends made where you can customize your uh, wrestlers and make them look like you try to make them look like you and we made wow. them all look like us and our buddies and everybody and and i still have that and everybody <laughs> is on there still was that like a mod or it was I, i'm gonna say it was wrestlemania 2000 love that game my buddy john knew that we were going to be recording this episode that he said make sure you tell james that uh avgn adventures is too damn hard oh yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely is yeah. but, uh, but it's cool you do you do have some options on it to adjust it but even, even easy i think i remember it's pretty difficult yeah i don't know sam did a great job with that how does that process work did somebody reach out to you with the idea of making a game or was it like a collaborative collaborative effort yeah yes sam reached out a long time ago and like at the time when he reached out i didn't know how 
serious he was and and now i can see obviously he's made like tons of games now like if you look yeah. at all the stuff he's done so i can't wait to do another avgn sometime because now i'm like okay i, I know this is going to be awesome back then there was a lot of avgn games actually and like I, I, most of them i don't think you can really play anymore because they were done using probably some outdated platform i mean they were all made in all different kinds of ways like fan made so they were um it was all different dials all different things but they were just done for like you know free basically but the one with sam was one we did like officially endorsed and it was actually like you know funded and everything had a budget so that was like a a much bigger production than a lot of the other avgen games so once that one was made i was like okay I see how far this could actually go. Making video games is something I never even like thought about. It's like not even like a thing for me. Like it's not a skill that I ever tried to uh, learn, like game programming. Uh, James, did you ever have a Rob the Robot growing up? I think I might have played one with one of my friends and it didn't work. So yeah, I guess it doesn't work too well now either, but uh, uh, No, I, it was always kind of a mystery. But when I did that episode, that was really my first time actually like going deep and and trying out all the things you can do. It's actually pretty cool. The fact that I mean, even though it's a little you know clumsy, the fact that uh, you can like stack up, especially like just thinking of like all the different um, ways to move the robot's arms. It's kind of like a whole new like skill. It actually was a pretty cool idea Nintendo had. I think they just didn't perfect it. And a lot of your behind the scenes stuff for AVGN, you seem very shocked that some of the B-movie tricks that you picked up worked so well and that people received them so well. Where did you, when did you start teaching yourself that amateur style of filmmaking? Invisible string is a, is a tricky thing. Um, there actually do exist some strings that, that it is like literally invisible like magicians use it but once it's actually that it's so invisible that you can't even see it it's pretty hard to work with <laughs> like okay i'm trying to tie it but i guess this is the string i don't know so the one that i always use mostly was fishing line like if you have like a really clear fishing line it'll it, it'll pick up like when you know light hits it you'll see especially now with like hd back then uh on vhs you didn't notice the strings as much as you do now you could also paint them black there's a uh, black paint called black 2.0 and it's like it's so black that like i mean you shine a flashlight at it or something and it stays black it doesn't really reflect much so you could use that but that only works if you're in like a dark area like in a shadow and then at a certain point you're like okay well how much do i really want to hide the strings anyway am i trying to fool people or am i trying to make people laugh so yeah. <laughs> so we're big fans of Lloyd Kaufman here, uh, James. Uh, what yeah. was your first experience with trauma growing up? Oh, first I first found out about trauma, I think, from my roommate, and he was a big trauma fan. And that, that was all like it was just kind of like, oh, here's these really crazy movies. But then it was the book. Uh, was it all I learned about filmmaking? I learned <laughs> Toxic Avenger. Yeah. And that book was so inspiring and so funny. And from that moment on, I was a fan. Was the video that you guys did together, was that your first time meeting in person? No, there was a few times. I think the first time was at a convention, and that was just like a quick, you know, you know hey, how you doing? Um, and then um, after that, I think we did, um, I forget what came first. We did an interview with him at his office, and then we did uh, we did a cameo the same day for the, the ABGN movie. And then also we did a... Uh, well, we did the episode, and then a lot of times I would come to his events. Sometimes, like like every every once in a while, he'll he'll be like, "Hey, do you want to come on my Comic Con panel or something?" I'd be like, "Hell yeah!" We've had 
lots of run-ins at this point it's almost like just it's expected it's like natural. we actually saw him in portland just recently but he's always he's always on he's always lloyd uh, yeah he is are there any diarrhea dumpers that come to mind that you grew up on that you haven't covered yet <laughs> oh, diarrhea dumpers, uh, oh that i haven't covered yet yeah. oh uh, plenty unfortunate but fortunate for the show because uh, the ideas never run out i mean how much modern gaming do you do very little um it, it, usually if there is one that i play it's like well that's the only one i'm gonna play so mm -hmm. it's not really a lot of like where like nes was like all right pop this game in now pop this one in just yeah find different games now it's kind of like, all right, well, if you're going to get in the, the game, or at least if you like the game enough to play it a lot, then you're kind of just, you know, immersed in that one game. So I'm trying to think, what was the last game I really played a lot of? See, I, so the newest console I have is a PS4, and you can still get a lot of modern games on there, but not not like the most newest. So um, when, if I do pick something, it's got to be like something that I'm going to dedicate to. But I'm, I'll definitely check that out, though. I wanted to ask you about uh, the dead or the better. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was the uh, catalyst to make you make that leap? See, at the time, I had just finished college. Um, I, I was just starting another job, uh, and I was sort of looking for another fun project, like something just to do like on my own time. The last thing I did was uh, my senior film. It was Legend of the Blue Hole, which was like an urban legend kind of thing, but more like a... Not, not really so much horror, but a little more suspense, maybe a little like, you know, urban legend mystery kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really like a, a major like action packed or like kind of like there, was, there wasn't really anything that campy in it. This one, though, the deader the better. I was like, well, now I want to do something more just like a lot of gore, a lot of like silly gore, um, like, you know, zombie gets its head shoved up its ass and stuff like that. <laughs> um, more inspired by like um, brain dead dead alive yeah or uh like uh, evil dead movies and stuff like that. yeah yeah so that was kind of the idea it, it, it was it was basically like clerks meets night of the living dead because it was black and white the blood was in color it kind of just had that like talky sort of like two guys working a job working a late shift um but what they do is just keep the dead in their graves so at that at that time um that was where my mind was that was what i wanted to do and then after that it was uh something else it was always something different well after that the, the nerd picked up the nerd picked up steam and then my mind went to well how to make a movie about the nerd so the abgn movie that was like the next chapter of my life and i feel like every era of your life you have some project that you're spending years on and that's really what you're about but sometimes more ideas are going to come like like before you're finished with one you have another idea and you're like oh wait I'd, I'd rather start on this one so it's all about picking the project that's right in the moment picking the one that's going to be the right one for the right time you might have that idea it's like oh you know i've been wanting to do this idea for the past five years i should finish that one first but you know what since i didn't start that yet might as well do this next one that i really like you know you ever have that one? yeah oh yeah all the time is there any project that you just haven't been able to bring to fruition yet or, or one that got away oh yeah i mean all the time and that's that's really what it is it's like picking your favorite like what's your favorite one you want to do because if that's the one that you're going to be doing for years and years you better really like that one it's all about like narrowing down yeah it's like okay here's like a million ideas i obviously can't do all of them so which one do you want to do the, the most See, it happened with like major directors too like Spielberg will have this movie that you could tell he's been wanting to do for for like 10 years mm -hmm. or something and then it gets made 
and then it's always this like just rolodex of films that are coming you just mentioned earlier you've been doing avgn for 20 plus years now so out of all those all those videos you've done uh, production wise behind the scenes what would you say was the most challenging was the one just that was just a bitch to get done oh yeah i mean a lot of them but uh i mean recently the the jekyll and hyde one was pretty tough it was a lot of um the long makeup process in it but then there was also a lot of um a lot of setups lots of special effects shots and, and like lots lots of a practical effects so um a very time consuming one but a, a really fun one it, it was like making a movie that was a tough one i know the immortal was tough because it was all one take it was meant to be like a Ooh. fluid camera angle. yeah that was that's tough. a really good one though okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was nuts since you've been filmmaking for 20, 20, 30 years, uh, what would you say is the best filmmaking advice you've received and who gave it to you? Oh, best filmmaking advice. Let's see. Uh, man, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I think uh, my advice has always just been enjoy doing it. Don't be like making that movie, but all, but waiting for the result. Like if you're, if you're doing it just to like have the film done or you have this goal where it's supposed to like play in a film festival or, or whatever, or, or trying to like win an award or anything. You can't really have much goal other than to make yourself happy first. Like just make the movie or make the project for yourself. To, you know, if, if you're happy with it and you're enjoying making it, and not just waiting till it's all over, you know, to get, you know, like whether it be like financial or, or whatever you're trying to gain from it. It's like you got to go in it for the creativity. That's that's the only way. Did you ever have to deal with any sort of stage fright when it comes to like just being on camera and in character? Did you have to get over that yourself? I guess I came kind of naturally into it when it's on camera. When it's on camera, lots of times I'm I'm the only one there also. So I'm just <laughs> acting to myself. It's not really like anybody's watching. Uh, so it, it i guess i i came into it kind of natural but i know it is very common like a lot of people see themselves recorded and they don't like what they see or they're just kind of oh is that what i sound like is that what i look like you know a lot of insecurity it's very common i had that for sure yeah i think i just got over it i would say it was probably in my early teen years i just didn't like seeing myself on camera but now looking back it was such a short period i think just from doing it for so long i just became very comfortable with it now being on stage or being in front of like a room full of people now that's a whole other set to get used to that's like okay shit like there's all all these people <laughs> gonna speak in front of them like and it's live that's another thing that you, you have to sort of get used to i mean that's that's a, a common biggest fear for a lot of people is public speaking so when when you're not working alone when you're making a video and you have like a, a guest star for that episode or something yeah. does does that intimidate you in any way or do you find that to be uh, you know just a, a fun different experience oh yeah i think it always it, it goes right into like creative work mode where you're just like working with somebody so it's like when i'm acting with somebody i'm acting with them we sort of create this imaginary situation and you go into that space with another actor and it's always like that but then there are moments where i, I just forget like oh shit like this is actually this is um somebody who i've watched there is a a crack up which which we left in the episode uh it was with gilbert Gottfried. he was like yelling at me i kind of was like all right if i look at him i'm gonna laugh so i kind of turned my head but then that was worse because then all i saw in my head was the parrot from aladdin yelling at me <laughs> <laughs> and then you know sometimes when you work with folks you can discover some things i think was it kyle that did the uh the batman episode with you turned out to be a better joker than jared leto oh 
boy. No, actually, uh, Mike as the Mike. Yeah, right. Sorry, sorry, Mike. No, he was he was in the Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle episode, but no, Mike was the Joker. And I, yeah, yeah. When when you act with Mike, it gets nuts. Like then it's it, it's you like when he was the lion, you couldn't look at him without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, like he had that tail, and he was like doing something with his tail while he was talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he brings oh. some chaos to the show. <laughs> and there's a script; it's written out, but he would add things that weren't in the scripts. And it was just like one-time things. And um, like I remember, there was one time I was like, like, "Hey, did you swear, man?" Which was a, a, a an obscure reference to a line in an American movie. And then he goes, "Oh yeah, dick, 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 fuck, fuck, fuck," and, and, I, and then it was all over. <laughs> James, you know, in 2010, I think you took that, uh, you took a brief hiatus because from, you said you were burned out. After that, you know, did you learn to pace yourself and what kind of, did you learn any lessons about how to continue forward without that burnout? In that year, we, we shifted from two episodes a month to uh, one episode a month. What I've actually found is that when I do fewer episodes a year, they tend to get longer anyway. (laughs) Um, because a lot of these older episodes, like, uh, the Atari Jaguar one, for example, was like, it was two parts. Actually, the Castlevania one was four parts. There was like a four-part Castlevania one, where nowadays it would probably be one full episode, and it would be like 20 to 30 minutes or something. So mm. I feel like I kind of just... It's a different its a different approach. I feel like sometimes it's better to build up excitement, be like, okay, now it's like an event, where if it, if it keeps coming out too often, then you get used to it, and it's like, oh, well, there's another one, and there's another one. But if it if it makes it where like it's like it's an event, so it's it's a little more of like a celebration. But that was what yeah, 2010. That's that's what uh, I remember doing, just going to one a month. But uh, you know, burnout's a thing. Yeah, I, I remember specifically the Mario three episode. I was I was really sick during that. In fact, when I did the um the demonic voice, that was actually my real voice at the time because my like took advantage of it because my my throat was all you know when you can't speak right and yeah that episode it it comes from like not sleeping from working like you know 15 hour days and like trying to get a video done really fast in like you know a short time and just not sleeping stressing yourself out it's not good so i've definitely had a lot more healthy habits lately so where along the journey james did you realize i assume it was very early on that you could do this full time for a living you know holy shit this is very popular yeah yeah and that, and that's that's the thing it's like you know i'm very lucky to have this where you, if you get to, to do a job that's fun then and yeah i mean that's kind of the name of the game like you, you you did it you've made it then so at the time it was just at the time meaning like when it started um it was kind of a mystery it was like there's no way I'm going to get paid for this. Like, how can this happen? And it was sort of a gradual process when eventually a check would start coming in for the videos. I was like, oh, cool. It wasn't much at first. I still had another job, but eventually it was able to take over where, okay, I can do this full time. Although it was a lot of a risk too, because then quitting my main job, it was giving up health insurance, everything. Like now I have no health insurance, being self-employed. It was like, okay, well, if you're going to do this full time, this is your thing now. Well, now you got to do it. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so this is something I like to ask everyone, James, uh, just because you never know. Have you ever had an experience you would consider supernatural or paranormal? Oh, okay. I don't really think so, which is kind of disappointing. I, I wish I had a more exciting thing. <laughs> but there was this uh, this urban legend near kind of in my neck of the woods growing up called the Atco Ghost. And it was this ghost at the end of the street. Um, you have to drive the car down there 
and you, you, you it goes kind of into like a dirt trail, but you stop at where the dirt trail is, you turn around, there's a little ritual you're supposed to stop at a certain spot, flash your headlights a few times, and kids would do this like every like Friday, Saturday night. I don't know if they still do, but um, I remember the, the police were cracking down on it, but it, it was a thing and it would go on all the time. And one time I took some friends to do it just as like a you know a joke like oh here's the echo ghost here you want to try it out and there were two two guys in the car with me and both of them at the same time reacted and they were like jim go 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 i'm like what and like like go 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 i'm like i don't see anything like jim jim it's right there just go go and i step on the gas i'm like okay and later on i've asked them both separately like were you guys messing around they're like like no no i mean i, I thought i saw something like there was like a some pale like shape that kind of crossed the street and i was like well then why didn't i see it and i i think like, i've heard this where some people can't see ghosts it's like a special well, it's a it's a sixth sense like the movie so uh maybe i don't know interesting james just to put a bow on this here just uh tell folks what's on the horizon for you what can they expect from you in the new year oh well uh nerd episodes guaranteed um some other videos guaranteed uh and some other big projects that just take longer also happening so um you know more as as it goes on but uh i think the the, the next big one i think is the album hopefully so that's that's kind of like my big pet project that's going on right now and that, are you doing covers is that gonna be all original stuff or video uh, game stuff yeah, this one's all covers and medleys. Uh, we're planning to do some original stuff eventually. Uh, plan to play more live shows, and th there's like a music video. There's like a music video of some kind with almost every song on it, and a lot of these are close to done or done, and just waiting on the final mixes from the album. So, kind of a, I mean, seems kind of opposite. Like do the video, do the music video first, and then do the song second. <laughs> I mean, it's it's too like a, an unfinished track. It's not fully mixed yet. Yeah, I have a lot of that coming up. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Guys, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, James. Yeah, nice record collection too. <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah, yeah. God, Don't get him started. We'll be here thirty more minutes. <laughs> hey, is your album going to come out on vinyl? <laughs> yeah, we are thinking about it. Yeah. Um, all right <laughs> so i don't know how long that takes to make an, a vinyl but i hear it's it's quite a process so yeah yeah you got one purchaser right there <laughs> that's true that's accurate <laughs> all right james you take care man thank you cool thanks guys all right folks that's a wrap i hope you enjoyed that chat with james as always thanks for listening and we'll see you back next time monsters madness and magic Ha 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 ha